The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. Welcome back to another episode of Connected. I'm Alex Sharp with Side Street Studio Arts, and I'm here with artist Caius Kirby, and they're here to talk about their art and their pieces in our current show, Soul Food, and all the great work that they are doing. Um, so to start off, Caius, can you kind of give me a little bit of a background about you as an artist and the medium that you work in? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I am a self-taught a disabled artist. I work primarily in found objects and uh, I take those objects and then sculpt on top of them using thick puffy paint. Um, use lots of bright colors, child's, child's paint. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of what I'm into at the moment. Yeah. Right. Um, did you kind of get into this very methodical detailed um, piece recently or has this been something that you've always been into have you been doing art kind of for a while or was this something you just recently got into um i started doing art kind of full-time uh during the pandemic when i lost my job i was a data analyst um and uh as you can imagine i was staring at screens for eight to 10 hours a day. And I uh, started getting terrible migraines. I had migraines before, but not quite as bad. And um, I, I was forced to quit my job in the middle of the pandemic because I was you know, ending up in the hospital all the time. And I started doing um, this kind of meditative pointillism uh, art as a way to cope, frankly, with unemployment. <laughs> employment it wasn't planned to be a source of income uh it only turned into that when people started wanting to buy my work yeah that's awesome and um you know to take off during like a difficult time um what drew you to doing like these very detailed patterns? Um, you said kind of this kind of meditative thing. Um, was it kind of just by accident that you found this? Was it something that inspired you to do these kind of dot patterns? Um, I mean, it's definitely a, the connection to uh, the disabled community. I mean, Braille uh, is, is one of the connections. Um, it also um, like, having detail in texture is one way that I can um, express beauty and form outside of color. I'm um, partially colorblind. And so uh, a lot of my work, I can't see in the same way that the audience or viewer sees it. And so having incredibly detailed texture is one way that I can experience it in the kind of in the same way uh, that anyone else could and it also allows me to um, connect with like low vision uh, communities like with other people who are wanting to like stem my art is meant to be 
touched and experienced. Um, I don't know if that's an entirely cohesive answer, but it's, yeah. (laughs) I love that you said like, oh, my art's meant to be like touched because I know at the show we were definitely a little anxious of like your pieces seem so (laughs) fragile and like we didn't want them to break, but you're like, no, they're meant to be like touched and looked at and like, you know, that, that texture definitely adds something to them because, you know, they're on this very fragile piece, but the texture just like takes it to another level that it doesn't make it look so fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what are you feeling when you're creating the pe- you're creating your pieces and what do you want the viewer to feel um, when looking at them, especially because it's a strong connection to like a meditative form of art? Yeah, when I'm feeling it, it's definitely, um... Like it's a it's a stim for me, like it's an autistic stim for me to do something repetitively over and over again. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if anyone else gets that experience from just looking at it or touching it. Um, so that would be brilliant. I don't know if someone else did. Um, I'm feeling that when I'm doing it. Um, oftentimes I'm in a lot of pain when I'm making it. I'm also, uh, I also have fibromyalgia and a couple autoimmune disorders. And so I do it as a way to distract myself. Um, so it's meditation and, and not kind of like the lofty sense, but in the like necessary sense um, that I'm that I'm making these patterns as a way to like really focus myself on something outside of my body. Um, and so it's really funny when people see these pieces and they're like, oh, what a cute face. And it's like, oh my gosh, there was so much turmoil in that face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but that said, I, I don't need people to see that and experience turmoil. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't need people to see my pieces and experience anguish. You know, you know, it's actually kind of brilliant and beautiful that, um, I can be in so much pain while making these pieces. And then at the end, they're kind of jubilant and and weird and bumpy quirky little things mm-hmm. uh, so yeah when I when people see them I, I um I want them to feel intrigued and like uh, yeah draw drawn to touch them and experience them uh in in more ways than just like looking at them uh definitely like a sense of like curiosity and like wonder would be delightful yeah that's awesome that it's like it's such a different experience when you're creating them and then a different experience that you want the viewer to have looking Mm. at them um so you said you you use puppy paint which um I was familiar with and when I immediately saw your your pieces I was like I use that type of paint to make a t-shirt when I was like 10 years old (laughs) I think a lot of children have experience in puppy paint um so what drew you to use kind of this like craft item I I actually love using children's materials it like it forces limits on my practice on on my like quote-unquote fine art Mm-hmm. Um, it really forces me to be uh, in like to use creativity uh, and and skill 
when <laughs> applying it, it's it's a difficult material if you've ever used it even to just write like go bears, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on a shirt. Um, and uh, and there's not a lot of people who use it. And and so I love that, like when I go and try and find it in like, uh, I don't know, a, a Michael's or another craft store, it's like the only colors that are really available to me are like really obnoxious, bright colors. And I somehow have to come up with something beautiful like out of those colors and I, I love that um there's only been a really rare occasions that I've actually mixed colors together like taken it out of the bottles and mixed it for my own purposes I hardly ever do that I usually just use like the direct stock colors and do the best that I can to make these kind of cohesive um pieces with them yeah that was another one of my questions was that the colors are so vibrant and um, you also mentioned that you're partially colorblind, so the colors may not look exactly what, um, you know, other people see. So what kind of drew you to use these bright colors? Was it just because the puffy paint just came in those colors? Or did you kind of see it as a challenge to work with these, like, neon colors? Yeah, definitely it's a challenge. It's fun. Uh <laughs> I can see them. Yeah. <laughs> like I can see the contrast, which is really helpful. Um, I actually, uh, I was joking with my roommates and uh, talking about this. I was like, what if I did an entire show that was just colors that I like couldn't really tell apart? <laughs> and they were like, that would be hilarious, but probably hideous. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and so I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but I think the bright colors are um, are are this kind of representation of hope and joy um, that I I really wish to have in and and that I don't always have when I'm making them when I'm making these pieces and so uh, it's it's really brilliant to see them at the end finished in their full form uh, and just kind of like sparkling and neon and bright. And I'm like, yes, you know, <laughs> and then, but I know in the back of my head that like, there's, there was a lot of history there and there was a lot of pain there. Um, but uh, yeah. So the neon, the neon is part of that for sure. And you say you work with, you also, you sculpt and then you also um, work with found objects. Um, what kind of, what do you look for when you're looking for these find objects? Do you just like walk into like an antique store and you're like you, or do you just kind of seek out something in particular? Yeah, I think I, I walk into, yeah, antique stores, thrift stores, or even just like yard sales, <laughs> people's houses. And they're like, oh, I'm giving this away. Um, and uh, patterns, glass, um, any kind of like ceramic that like calls to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can really explain it. It's not, yeah. it's not like I don't have a formula. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I like currently just made something that like was on an, almost on an urn looking thing. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Uh, <laughs> But now it looks like a cactus, so it's fine. Uh, it doesn't look like an urn anymore. But <laughs> that's awesome. Um, 
talk about one of your pieces in the in the show the black lace decanter which is a super cool piece in a in of itself because it's got these kind of like bubbly kind of you know roundness to it but your little dots kind of like take it to a whole different level and I was looking at it I was like okay like what if we just like removed all these dots and I was like I feel like then that makes the vase you know the decanter it makes it kind of boring like your dots have elevated it to such a level that the original piece even though it's a beautiful piece on its own now seems boring in in comparison and I was curious um what's your process when creating the patterns on the pieces do you have an idea in mind looking at the shape do you just kind of start and see where it goes that's a really I'm so glad you mentioned that uh and and it goes back to the question you asked before too of of selecting pieces it's like i i never want to compete with whatever i'm putting on top of the found object like it has to actually add value to whatever is there because there's so many beautiful ceramics and and glass pieces already out there and so unless i think i can actually like add something to it I, I won't <laughs> like I won't pick it up um uh yeah for for creating the patterns a lot of it is done in my head <laughs> a lot of it is just me like sitting there thinking <laughs> for ages uh <laughs> just waiting for inspiration to strike or um sometimes I'll work in like almost like waves that decanter and the other one that was in the show as well the purple one uh they were all created like kind of almost in a lace era i was just doing a bunch of lace work um on a bunch of different pieces and um so i i knew that like late it was lace season <laughs> but um when creating that pattern and especially when you're creating multiple layers of the paint um i've really had to learn how to um like work backwards um like you you can't like put down a layer of like your dots everywhere and then just like add thicker paint on top on top you almost have to like create the most standout pieces of the vessel like the thickest parts of the paint and then work around it mm -hmm. um and i didn't know how to do that before so this whole the whole like learning how to work with puff paint being a puff paint artisan has been <laughs> has been a process and i haven't known any other puff paint artists so i haven't been able to be like dming them like hey what are the deets on how to do puff paint um yeah so so when i'm creating patterns a, a lot of it is uh figuring out as i go on the vessel um and people ask all the time what I do when I mess up and I mess up all the time. Oh my gosh. Just like <laughs> an artist. It's just really hard to get it off. A lot of times I have to let it dry and scrape it or wipe it or it's a mess, but <laughs> I do mess up. Yes. 
Um, yeah, that was a, one, another one of my questions I had while you were explaining it. It's like, what happens if you mess up? And also, how does it dry really fast? Or is it, you know, because it's thick, does it take forever? Mm, yeah. So yeah. it sets depending on if it's like a mat. There's like three different, uh, just like kind of pretty much any other paint, there's like three or four different uh, mediums that it has within it. There's like matte, there's slick, there's neon, there's, and then just regular puffy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and all of those dry at a different rate, matte drying the quickest, um, but all of them drying within basically a day to two days and then fully setting within like a week. Which means that if you have three layers on something, you're waiting like at least three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's not like you can just like bam, 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 like layer yeah. stuff on top. Um, so things just take a while. You have to be really patient with the vision and uh, just wait to see things through. I'm, I'm working on this uh, big, uh, big succulent inspired piece right now that has three layers on it. And I like, I'm just like hoping that it's going to be good because I have the first two layers done and I'm like, I think it's good, but I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, we're all, you know, we're almost a month in and I'm just waiting. Um, and so it requires a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of awesome. I mean, it's stressful, it seems a little bit, but it's just kind of like, you just got to go all in and just help it, you know, everything works out with the pattern, but um that's kind of it that just makes like the end result, you know, and, and how detailed all your pieces are just like awesome to know that there was, you know, first of all, you know, you, you said you experienced a lot of pain and then the complications with using puppy paint and the obstacles around that and then the pieces itself. So it's just like a bunch of obstacles that all come together to make this really, really amazing end piece. <laughs> Uh, another question I have for you was um, your pieces in the show. So Soul Food, um, our February expedition, was all about um, using things like memories, experiences, history, culture to fuel or feed our minds, hence the title of the show, Soul Food. Um, so how do you feel like your pieces fit into the theme of the show? Mm. When I was uh, submitting those pieces to the show, and even when I was just making them, I was kind of imagining this like opulent feast of people with many uh, abilities and disabilities uh, gathered around a table. And I was thinking for me, you know, um, someone who's someone who's colorblind. Um, and then, you know, seated next to someone who, you know, possibly even has, uh, like, another low vision uh, condition and, like, passing the decanter to them. And, like, maybe they can't see the rest of the meal, but they can smell it and they can experience it. And then also, like, the kind of delight that we could have in just, like, the texture of the vessel and... um like what if the rest of all of the pieces at the table were textured in a way that were like pleasing and part of the feast. And so like these were parts of kind of like this imaginary feast. 
full of wine. Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, what did it mean to you to have the representation of a disabled artist, you know, in a show like this and amongst, you know, all the other artists? Yeah. Um, I don't get to think about that very often. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a lot more disabled artists out there um, who, yeah, who don't get to be in shows just because the barriers to applying and, and like I said, to even just like making one piece um, takes so much longer. Um, but being in the show alongside everyone uh, and having that as a representation of like culture and history and also like joy um, is really special. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that was all the questions I had for you, but if you want to tell our audience and places where they can find your art, see more of you, experience the, all your whimsical little vessels and <laughs> Yeah, um, you can find my art at Caius Kirby, K-A-I-U-S-K-I-R-B-Y on Instagram. Um, I'm also going to be working on a group show called Southern Futures that'll be coming up um, and I'll be posting about that soon. So yeah, you can follow along there. Awesome. I'm excited to see your other work. Um, thank you so much for coming on and answering questions. Um, hope to see more of you here at Side Street in the future. Um, but thank you again for um, answering my questions today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, thank you, Kayas, for coming on. This um, was Alex Sharp with Side Street Studio Arts um, and with another episode of Connected. Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.